play fantasy baseball show with D. Mindy. Little Cheesecake and Doc starts now. What up? Welcome into the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show, a proud member of the Fantrax Podcast Network and the Fantrax HQ family. D. Mendy here. I'm joined by a man when he pops in a room. It's called a cake pop. That's Art Tornabeni, a.k.a. Little Cheesecake, the LC. LC, how's it going? I'm up against Doc in a in a in a battle in our fantasy basketball league this week. So all the bad vibes towards Doc this week, all the good vibes towards me. We got a we got a, a good trash talk going already. So I'm feeling good about that. Other than that, life is life is going all right, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. You're asking the guy that always gives Doc a hard time to give him more of a hard time. So <laughs> I'm all for that. Uh, but I'll let the man speak for himself, the one that wears matching Christmas pajamas with his girlfriend, and that's the doc himself. What's up? You know, it's funny. I told her today, I said, maybe you'll get another mention on this uh, podcast. It seems like we talk about her a lot. Casey Everything's Friedman. Going, everything is going well. I'm currently beating Art 6-4-1 to four to one in our fantasy basketball matchup, so uh, hopefully it's early. that just stays put. It's early. It's, I think- it's Wednesday. It's middle through the week, my dear. <laughs> you're giving the listeners they're not going to care about the rest of the pod they're going to just care about next week who won your matchup so i think that'll be the half that's how we have to start off next week obviously all right fair enough but on deck today we have triple play fantasies shortstop rankings 1.0 and before we head into 2021 we're going to give an early look at each position talk about where we are ranking players within each position group heading into next season we're going to be using NFBC rankings as our template for these episodes as we look at top guys, guys who we're straying away from, values, all the funds, ranking talk that you love and you crave. And as mentioned, we are going into the shortstop position with Aaron Pags from Fantasy and Frames. After we go to our bullpen for our question of the week, which retired MLB hitter would you pick first for your softball team? And our game of the week coming in to shut the door. But first up to bat is our news and notes. Wow. Well, we haven't been on in a little while. We recorded before Christmas. So there's a lot of news to break down here. And the first one breakdown, the Rays will be defending their American League crown in 2021 without their ace, Blake Snell, as Tampa Bay announced a blockbuster five-player deal with the Padres that sent the left-hander to San Diego on Tuesday. The Rays acquired three prospects that included the right-hander Luis Patino, the Padres' number three overall prospect and the number 23 overall prospect, according to MLB Pipeline. Also in this trade is right-hander Cole Wilcox, who's been gaining some steam, and catcher Blake Hunt, while the club also acquired catcher Francisco Mejia. So, Doc, I'm going to start with you for this one. Who won this trade? Do you like one side more than the other? And what do you expect from Blake Snell? First of all, my thoughts and prayers go out with Yancey. I know it has been a tough week for him. I actually like this trade for the Rays, or for, I'm sorry, the Padres. They're going all in. Actually, you know, I take that back. I like it back for, I like it for both teams. I think it's the rare win-win. For the Padres, they're solidifying their all-in attempt. They're getting someone who they'll let pitch more than five innings um, and someone that's going to be in a good pitcher's room. Uh, And for the Rays, they don't pay people and they're getting some good prospects long-term. And besides Blake Snell's Cy Young year, he's kind of been an ordinary pitcher, and he's had some injury concerns. So 
I think the Rays got whatever value probably they could get when it's highest, and they got a decent return for him. Yeah, it's interesting because the the Rays have been very cautious about seeing letting Blake Snell see the third time through the order, and they've been very adamant about that. They think they're sticking to their analytics and how he's looked. And with the Padres, you got to wonder if they're going to go the same approach if they will let him go further. But I agree. Uh, I love this for both sides. It's one of those rare rare win wins. Cheesecake, are you on that same train as well? Um. Yeah, I yeah I think it's a good win win. I I do think that the the Rays are doing their Rays thing, but I mean they're obviously going to have to take a step back. I mean you could say that Snell might have might have given all he has, but they're down Snell, they're down Morton already this this off season, and Patino is not, you know, he's not really a replacement in the rotation for Snell. Uh, so I think, but I do think that they got some good pieces for him and and. Uh, you know how he called uh, what did he call uh, the the fam trade trading Tommy Fam for some slapdick prospects? Um, <laughs> I forgot. <about> that. Yeah. <laughs> now nah, Snell's the one who's getting traded for some slapdick prospects. <laughs> wow, I wish that we had saved that for last because I don't want to have to follow that. That that is actually it's funny. But he's going to the same team as Tommy Fam. Same Fam-o. team. Same team. Oh, that is great. Uh, yeah, again, a rare win-win. I, I would love to see Luis Patino get some playing time this year. Chiste, do you think he does get a shot at the Rays rotation? I think he does. I think uh, I think that he he pitched. I mean, he's young. I think he's 20 or 21 still. But he pitched in the bigs in 2020, and uh, the Rays have no reason. I mean, they'll, they'll play with him. I don't think he's going to get a full rotation role. He might be a, a follower. He might be a guy who only pitches through the order two times. But he's going to get a, he's going to get some good run, and I think his his value goes up with this trade. And same with Francisco Mejia, who's been just kind of that darling every year that you want, and then just never produces to what you think. He's competing uh, pretty much. They, they brought back uh, Mike Zunino, and I believe that's the only really catcher he's worried about competing playing time with at this moment. So I'm very interested in, in him as well from this trade, which I think is kind of going under the radar. But uh, the Padres were not done. Shortly after that. You Darvish was traded from the Cubs to the Padres. The breakdown of this trade, the Padres get right-handed pitcher Yu Darvish and catcher Victor Caratini. The Cubs get uh, right-handed pitcher Zach Davies, shortstop Reginaldo Perciado, which is the Padres' number 11 prospect for MLB Pipeline. Outfielder Owen uh, Kaisi, number 13. And the outfielder Ismail Mania, number 15. And shortstop Yaisan Santana, who was number 16. So a lot to break down here. Doc has basically given up talking about this topic. I, I know the Cheesecake has been holding this in for days, days, just ready to give his advice and his thoughts on this. So I am going to open the floor to him and let him just get everything off his chest. So go ahead. When you're president of baseball operations, after trading the best pitcher you've had on your staff for the past 10 or 15 years, when your president of baseball operations then says, this is not a money thing. Uh, you, you just want to go strangle him. The, this is, this is the Cubs admitting that their window is closed. This is the Cubs forcing the window closed with the crack still in there. Um, and it's, it's really, it's really hard to be a, a fan of a team when, when, you know that your management is is shutting the window. I think, you know, I think that if the Cubs, if this, if this truly was not about money, the Cubs 
would have kicked in some of you Darvish's money remaining to get better prospects. But as we speak right now, the Cubs are not looking at any prospects that are close to major league ready. Um, and a pitcher who, who has, a, you know, who's had, who had a really good season in 2020, but who also has had a mixed career. He's just someone to take the rotation spot of Darvish. And on top of that, Victor Caratini is a very good hitting catcher. He didn't have a great 2020, but he has a good eye. He hits the ball hard, and he happens to be Yu Darvish's personal catcher. So the, the Padres got a lot out of this deal. Um, they don't, they don't have to, uh, they don't have to have Darvish break in a new catcher even. So he's going to be able to hit the ground running. The Cubs are going to take a huge step back in their pitching staff. Zach Davies, even if he pitches close to as well as he pitched in 2020, is not going to be close to the pitcher that you Darvish is. Uh, I think that, I think that when you're, when you're a fan of a team, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many guys get traded, but you know, we, we're now down Schwarber. We're now down. Um, we're now down Darvish, and they and 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 Hoyer's coming out. You're saying, "Oh, I, I can't believe people would say we wanted to trade Wilson Contreras." Are you kidding me? You can't believe that. Are you serious? You you've been dropping players left and right. Looks like you want to trade Chris Bryant too. I mean, I I, I I'm done with with this guy. And, and Hoyer is like the little bro of Theo Epstein. I don't know why he got the job other than being Theo Epstein's little bro. He's, he's, he was bad in San Diego and he's been, he's been the little brother in Chicago for 10 years. And now he gets the big boy job. And the first thing he does, uh, anyways, I, I, I'm, I, I, I know it's not as bad, but it feels like when the Marlins sold off their championship team, we ran it back like three, four times after our 2016 championship and didn't win one again. So I guess you could say we had our run, but it still feels like we're we're shutting the window when there's still some life left in this team and and it's very disappointing. That's all I have to say about it. The only thing I want to add is you Darvish posted something on Twitter where Victor Carantini texted him that he got traded and he said, "You gone." And then you Darvish wrote back, "You too." <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I like it. Cheesecake, I want to give you a virtual hug that the listeners can't see just cuz I I feel I feel so sorry for you. And as a, as a Twins fan of a team that just constantly just makes me frustrated, I can't imagine the frustration you're going through right now. So uh, I'm here for you, buddy. Thank you. But we'll get to uh, – we're not done with the Padres yet because that holiday spending spree continued Monday afternoon when they signed a, another big-name arrival, and that's infielder Ha-Song Kim, who agreed to deal the deal with San Diego, according to Source. Uh, the team has not confirmed the move and is pending a physical, but the 25-year-old Kim, one of the most coveted free agent infielders on the market this offseason, and in seven seasons in the KBO, batted 294, 373, and 493 slash line while playing primarily shortstop and third base. I've heard comparisons for him as Tim Anderson. I've heard comparisons for him with Dansby Swatson. This is a guy that's going to take Art's term. This is a guy that is going to fit in that Padres lineup. He may hit towards the bottom of the lineup, but it's going to be such a stacked lineup that he's going to have a chance to produce. He is one of the best hitters in the KBO, and everybody loves this guy, especially at the second base position, which he's going to play for the Padres. So this is somebody that you can get right now. He's just inside the top 20 in the NFBC ADP, which we didn't talk about in our second base preview. 
he's somebody that his ADP is going to skyrocket. So people with earlier drafts are going to get him at more of a discount. Don't be surprised another few months if he's well within the top 100 with the type of hype that he's starting to get. So just keep an eye on Hassan Kim. The last bit of news here that happened actually way back, right around Christmas, Josh Bell, who had been atop of the Nationals' wish list of trade targets, got what they hoped for on Christmas Eve as the Nats addressed their vacancy at first base on Thursday by acquiring the switch-hitting Josh Bell from the Pirates. In exchange, Washington sent right-handers Will Crow, who was ranked as MLB Pipeline's number three prospect, and Eddie Yeen, who was the number six prospect, to Pittsburgh. Doc, the Nationals are your favorite team, and we live in Maryland, so we're around a lot of Nationals news. What were your thoughts on this trade? I loved it. Josh Bell is somebody that we saw in early 2019 that had really good power. He was hitting a lot of doubles, too. Um, Pittsburgh seems to, to, seems to be tanking. It seems like a lot of teams in the NL Central are giving up, and for the Nationals, you won a championship recently. Looks like that, that you know, eventually you're going to have to re-sign Soto. Uh, so you're adding a pretty cheap uh, protection piece. And, you know, it's it's not that big a gamble. So I love the move. Cheesecake, what about you? Are you all in on this as well? Or do you think Josh Bell is kind of having his value be a little bit too pumped up from this? No, I don't think his value is too pumped up. I think that uh, he's been hitting in... A pitching a pitcher's park his entire career, and he's going to a more neutral park now. It's going to help him. Uh, his his big power season in 2019 is not indicative of the rest of his career, but his bad season in 2020 is also not indicative of the rest of his career. So I think you can look for him to produce solid uh, solid con- contributions as the number four hitter in a pretty go- good top of the lineup. Trey Turner, uh, Juan Soto, and uh, and he. Are two, three, and four. I, I forget. Uh, I forget who who they have right now as their leadoff guy. But they have Turner two, Soto three, Bell four. That's a pretty pretty tough two, three, four to go through. No, I agree. Um, it should be someone that that helps their lineup. They actually really struggled last year uh, with the loss of Anthony Rendon, and hopefully an area next year that Josh Bell, uh, who very frustrating, did not have a lot of people. Uh, helping them out in their lineup. Right now, Andrew Stevenson is that leadoff hitter that they have at this point. So still some holes in this lineup. As you, If you look top to bottom, it's not very good. You have Andrew Stevenson, Trey Turner, Juan Soto, Josh Bell, Starlin Castro, Jan Gomes, Victor Robles, and Carter Keboom. So um, great for the Nationals, but that rest of that lineup does not do anything for me, if I'm being honest. But uh Interesting moves, and I'm sure it's just the start as this hot stove is starting to heat up finally. Maybe next time we talk to you, Trevor Bauer will have signed. So I'm going to very hope that that, uh, that ends soon. We can look forward to that going forward. But if you like hearing about the hot stove and all these moves, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more Triple Play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy football show and a fantasy basketball show that you can check out, available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about lighting up that Apple Podcast app with a five-star rating and review to support the show? Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Trip Play Fantasy. Eric runs our social media and provides daily questions, really bad, stupid, annoying, terrible gifts. I don't course- even use gifts anymore. You need to update your script. You need to update your life. <laughs> No, it's going to keep it in there because I like insulting you. And of course, our weekly episode drops. Speaking of drops, 
Are you looking forward to seeing that ball drop? Yeah, I'm not really that much either this year. Instead, how about we drop podcasts for you to listen to, and you can watch the shows on YouTube if you want to watch something. No need to get drunk in your apartment watching Nobody in Times Square. Spend your New Year's with us. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. Thank you, the loyal player, for your listens each and every week. And we will be right back with the Fantasy Shortstop Rankings 1.0 with Aaron Pags right after this quick break. We welcome in a man. No. We welcome in a bro. A bullpen bro. The host of Perfectly Framed Pod and contributor to the 2021 Fantasy Black Book. This southern gentleman will sweet talk your girlfriend with his baseball knowledge and sweet talk you with his mound visit articles. There's no turning the page with this guy because we are talking to Aaron Pags. Thanks for coming on the show, man. What's going on? D Mendy, what's up, brother? That was a sweet intro. Um, I want to shout out my wife. I love you. I'm not taking any intro. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I should have asked if you were married before that, but she just knows she's lucky because she nailed you down and all the women are coming after you, but you got your woman. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, um, that's it. She's the lucky one. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, man, really happy to be talking to you tonight. Um, just follow your stuff. You're a great baseball mind. And you do great work. And so I'm interested for our audience that has not heard about you. Can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, kind of where it all began, maybe back when you were a glimmer in your dad's eye, all that good stuff? Yeah, man. Born and raised in New York. Sad Mets fan life. Um, Some really fun moments at Shea Stadium. We had like season Sunday, uh, Saturday, Sunday seats. So spent a lot of my childhood growing up um, in Queens, watching the Mets win, lose, mostly lose. Um, <clears throat> always played fantasy baseball, even in high school. This is like right about the time when the websites started popping up, the yahoos and places like that. So played fantasy baseball for a really, you know, extended period of time now. Um, got into the fantasy content creator ship, uh, probably about five years ago, just kind of writing here and there for random websites, um, posting my thoughts. I was terrible. So, so bad at it. I mean, just a joke. If I go back and read some of that stuff now, I would be totally embarrassed. I'm so happy that no one can find it. The internet has like swallowed it up, thankfully. Um, put put a lot of focus on football last year over at fantasyandframes.com. We were strictly a football site. We tried in 2020, before the baseball season, to kick off some baseball coverage, kind of expand the site to the baseball side. COVID-19 hadn't wanted nothing to do with that. So we shut it down before it really got rolling. We had some pretty fun guests on our podcast, Perfectly Framed by co-host Nate Markham, Todd Barnes. We had a great time over there. So um, yeah, I made friends with Joe Pizapia, of course, um, of Fantasy Black Book fame, and uh, kind of volunteered to edit and proofread the book. And then a spot came available, and I said, yeah, man, all I talk about is relief pitching on my baseball show, but I can do shortstops, so let's do it. And uh, there I am in the 2021 Fantasy Black Book. Yeah, it's super dope. And what better way to do our shortstop preview with the guy that writes shortstop previews for the Black Book? I feel like this was a match made in heaven. This was meant to be. I won't test fate, so I'm just going to ride we with both it. We swiped right on the app and matched. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, so much dating talk. My wife is definitely going to listen to this, by the way. <laughs> but man, we're glad to have you tonight because we need some good knowledge with these other two on here. And 
exactly what we said. We've got the shortstop preview tonight, the Triple Play Fantasy Shortstop Rankings 1.0. And as we head into 2021, we got to give an early look at this position and talk about how we're ranking these players using NFBC NF, uh, rankings as our template. And looking at guys that we're staying away from, guys that we like, values, all that fun rankings talk that you crave. And diving into shortstop, we're first going to look inside the top 10. And we always like to start positive here. We're a positive podcast. And looking at the guy in the top 10 that you just can't stay away from at the shortstop position. So, Aaron, go ahead. Who is that first guy for you? That's easy for me. It's Xander Bogarts, Boston Red Sox shortstop. He's going 36 overall, uh, min pick of 24, max pick of 49 over at the NFBC. This guy's Mr. Consistency, and he's in his prime. He's 28 years old uh, over the last two full seasons. So take COVID season out, 145 games played, always in the lineup, exactly a 300 batting average. Um, he's not a total zero on the base paths. He had, he's had 12, he had 12 steals during that time. 402 runs plus RBIs in those two seasons headed into the COVID year. He's going to be somehow going behind two players like Bo Bichette with 75 career games and a guy who's only played 100 games in a season once, uh, 102 games that was in his five-year career, Adalberto Mondesi. We may talk about him later on. Bogarts has a career slash line of 289, 351, 454. That's a dope career slash line. His last three seasons, blow that out of the water. 300, 372, 535. I don't understand why he fell in drafts going from 19 to two or going from 20 to 21 because 2020 was the same old Xander Bogarts, 300 batting average. Uh, if you want to get a little metric y, I know not, don't get too deep into the ex Wobacons here on this show, but uh, hard hit rate was 36%. That's like in line with his 38 and 37% and his 33 career percent in the hard hit category. 70th percentile sprint speed, like I mentioned, he stole eight bases last year. The fact that he's the shortstop eight is a travesty in fantasy baseball. He is too consistent, too good across too many categories. And, you know, put some respect on Xander's name for sure. Without even diving into deep player dives, I can already see two guys right away I would put him ahead over. And that's before I kind of dive in a little bit more into some other guys. So I don't disagree with you there at all. I think he's a great choice for this category. And someone's going to be very happy at that ADP snagging Xander Bogarts if they have no idea. Uh, the rest of the league mates have no idea uh, how valuable he is. So that's a great pick. Doc. Who are you looking at? All right. So my guy is Tim Anderson, and it's not just because I got a recent signed jersey from him, but he's at over 300 the past couple of years. He's had double-digit home runs the past four years, double-digit stolen bases the first four seasons of his career. He only had five and 49 games, but you figure over an entire season, he had uh, double digits again. And what really changed was he had a friend that passed away in 2017, 2018, and he had a lot of off-field issues and mental health battles that he's kind of become public with. And ever since he became public with that, that's kind of like the spark that changed his career. He led the AL in runs in 2020 with 45, even though he only played 53 games or 49 games. He increased his barrel percentage from 4.9 to 10.1%. That was for you, David. And wow. you look and he's hitting in a stacked lineup 
at the top. He's projected to hit number one. So that's more opportunities for runs, stolen bases, um, RBIs if they hit back around. He's currently the ninth ranked shortstop with an ADP of 39.2. To me, that's very, very low. And I would be more than happy to take him in that spot. Every time Eric uses StatCast, I have to like slap myself to see if I'm awake. It does not feel real. Uh, Can you slap yourself again? I got joy in doing that and seeing that. (laughs) You can't even speak English, so no, you don't get it again. (laughs) Go ahead, Cheesecake. Who's your guy? Uh, Well, I'm going with Trevor Story as as the shortstop I want to highlight out of the top 10. The reason I'm going with Story and not Tatis or Turner is that I kind of see them all as, as like 1A, 1B, and 1C. So take the one that that goes latest. I think that if you look at Trevor Story and what he's done in 2018 and 2019, that is kind of the projection we're hoping for out of Fernando Tatis. And he's going as high as first overall with a, a max pick of seventh overall. And Story's ADP is down, way down at 11 and a half. So, so I think that when you look at that and you see what Story has done, 2018, 37 home runs, 27 stolen bases. 2019, 35 home runs, 23 stolen bases. Both of those with over a 290 batting average. And uh, in in 2020, his power dropped a little bit. He was only on about a 30 home run pace, but his speed picked up. He was on a 41 steal pace. So so perhaps he would have gone for a 30-30 season had it been a full-length season. And he was still hitting around 290. Now, what you saw with him in 2020 was something you saw a lot of hitters. uh, Similar traits where swing rate dropped um, and the walk rate climbed. A lot of people were seeing more pitches, uh, letting more pitches pass. But unlike a lot of those hitter hitters, Trevor Story's K rate did not climb. Trevor Story's K rate actually dropped. I think that there are some people who are dinging Trevor Story because they're afraid that he might be traded. And I think that that is too speculative a call to really bank your draft on. And I also don't think that he would be uh, too much hurt by a trade. Not he's he's just a good all around hitter, and the course field effect for good hitters. It's been proven that um, the the reason that course field Colorado Rockies hitters have trouble outside of course field while they're with the Rockies is because they've been hitting in course field, and that course field effect actually does not persist from from uh, leaving the Rockies and going on to another team. So I think also, even if he does get traded, which I don't foresee and I'm not going to predict, uh, you're not really losing a ton of value with him. He still has power. He still has a good batting average and he still has speed. Story is the guy who I'm, you know, I always miss out on shortstops. Always miss out on shortstops because I'm I just was not going to draft him in the first round. This year I'm committed to, to not missing out on a top stro- shortstop and I'm hoping to get a pick where I can grab Trevor Story. So cheesecake, I'm interested. If Nolan Arenado gets traded, which there's speculation he could, and I know this is a what if question, mm-hmm. if Francisco Lindor were to go to the Mets and Trevor Story lost Nolan Arenado hitting behind them, would you have interest in swapping the two? I I love the discount that Lindor is is getting right now. Uh, the only thing that I I have uh, dinged Lindor for is he has some these minor nagging injuries that seem to crop up. Uh, 2019, he missed the first three, four weeks of the season with an injury. Didn't hurt his overall production too much, but it did hurt his overall production a little. And I just see him as a tiny bit more of an injury risk, but I do love Lindor, especially the discount he's going at about pick 17 right now. 
Yeah, great call on those. And the guy I'm saying uh, is not going to be groundbreaking. It's the Magma Man, Trey Turner. And anytime they have an all red profile, they're just automatic Magma Men. And it's literally red across his entire profile. Digging into it a little bit more, top 4% in XBA. He had an elite WOBA, elite XWOBA, minuscule 13.9% K rate. His walk percentage went up from last year as well, even if it was. Uh, just 1%, so even though it's not a big increase, had a career-high barrel percentage, 99 cent, 99% sprint speed, 12 stolen bases in the second half of the, of the shortened season alone, so you know how much he can get stolen bases really quickly. And I know people were kind of scared in the early part of the season when he wasn't stealing anything. So that's just to show you in a full season, don't be worried, he's going to get his steals. He has a similar profile to his fastballs and off-speed, and he, but he severely outperformed his XBA, versus breaking pitches 333 batting average with a 255 xba which was closer to his 238 the year prior his chase contact percentage was also 11 percent higher this year ground ball rate went down and line drive rate went up 335 this season to 296 career uh closer to his 300 career uh excuse me but i think one of the things i also saw was his opposite field uh the percentage he hit the opposite field was uh the second lowest uh i'm sorry he pulled the ball the second lowest amount of his career and was hitting the ball more to the opposite field. And I think that just that shows better in his profile that he's not just a pull hitter, but he can hit the ball to all parts of the field. And you add in now that they have Josh Bell on their team, and that's going to be someone to help bolster the lineup a little bit, give some more protection, drive him in, um, you know, with him and Soto now in the lineup to, to plug in and get him some more runs and uh, score uh get more stolen bases, all those good counting stats. I would not be surprised if he overtook Fernando Tatis as the number one shortstop this year. And I think people are sleeping on him a little bit. I know Bubba is someone I know who spoke out highly of Trey Turner and, and says he likes him as his number one potentially. Um, but I think it could be there. And I think people, some people aren't realizing that that is his potential if he stays healthy. So Trey you're Turner. right. I'm not realizing that. Fair enough. So let's go to the top 10 that we are avoiding staying away from. Doc, I will start with you for this one. Who is that guy for you? Well, I'm picking up where you left off, and it's Trey Turner. You like so, that transition? Yeah. 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 So let, let's let's get this out there. I like him as a player, but the number two second or the number two shortstop with a seventh overall ADP is a little too high for me. So David mentioned that his walk rate did go up, but it's 8.8 .8 for his career. So that's not really strong. But I do like that his strikeout went, rate went down. But you're banking on someone to put the ball in play. So before last season, he had never hit 300 in a season before. So he does, he's not someone that hits for a super high average like I mentioned, Tim Anderson. So the first 24 games of last year, which was 40% of the season, he hit 295. But then over the next eight games, he hit 600 to bring his average to 377. So those eight games accounted for 13.5% of the regular season. He finished with a 335 batting average. So he had a really, really, really Charlie Blackman-like hot stretch where that just bolstered his numbers up. But I think most of the year you saw him kind of hit in that 280, 290 range. They have him currently hitting second. Andrew Stevenson is hitting one, which means less stolen base opportunities. I do like the addition of Josh Bell, but besides Juan Soto and Bell, if he's hot, I don't really like the protection behind him. And he's somewhat injury prone. And I'm putting that because he's fractured his right wrist, stealing a base. 
and his right index finger trying to get a bunt for a base hit. So I think he might be a little less aggressive because they're going to have him in that two role to potentially drive in more runs. So I see him maybe not having as many stolen bases, maybe a little bit more power. But for the number two shortstop and seventh overall pick, that's a little too rich for me. Crickets. Oh, I I was wrong on the sound effect, but I knew you were going somewhere. (laughs) You know me too well. Cheesecake, let's move from that bad advice to some good advice. And who are you staying away from? Well, let me just start off by saying that I I am staying away from Bo Bichette, but not because I think he has a bad he's going to have a bad season or that he's going to have a, a a bad career or that I don't believe in him. I just I, I I'm going to read you. Sixteenth is Francisco Lindor. Seventeenth, you Darvish, Walker Bueller, Bryce Harper, Lucas Giolito, Bo Bichette, Manny Machado, Aaron Nola. One of these things is not like the other one. The Bo Bichette is the only one who has no track record, really, to speak of out of those eight or nine guys I mentioned. And he's going there, 21st pick overall, 20.7 pick overall. That is really rich. And you're in your second round of your draft. You need to lock that position in. You can't be taking a gamble. And I think Bo Bichette is a gamble. You know, he has a small, uh, small injury history. And if you look back in 2020, he sprained his L- his uh, lateral LCL. I think it's lateral collateral ligament. Uh, it, it's a tear in the ligament. He was out 28 days. Uh, so the side to side motion in his knees, he, knees that caused it. Uh, so he was out for 28 days because of that. Um, in 2019, he was shut down with his concussion pro- protocol, getting hit on the head with a pitch. That happened on September 19th. He couldn't resume full baseball training activities until November 13th. And uh, earlier in the season, he was out from April 23rd to June 12th with a left-hand fracture, also from getting hit by a pitch. Uh, Now, these are not the types of injuries, other than perhaps the knee injury, you could say, that, that look like nagging injuries. But the same thing can be said about Trey Turner. You know, he injures himself trying to bunt. He injures himself sliding into a base. Bo Bichette plays aggressively. He could be the type of guy who might just get these nagging injuries, but take him out for a month here, three weeks there. And that really hurts your team, especially if it's your second round pick. And I look at Bo Bichette and I wonder, why are we taking Bo Bichette when 20 picks later you have Tim Anderson? Aren't we looking at Tim Anderson having a very similar profile to what we expect out of Bo Bichette? A good 290, 300 batting average, some pop, some speed. Maybe you could say that Bichette has a higher ceiling on that, but he hasn't shown anything like that. So I think that um, I think that for me, there's just too much risk in that second round pick going Bo Bichette. Yeah, I think people think he's this year's Fernando Tatis. I think mm-hmm. he's that hot name after seeing Tatis explode on the scene, and people are basically taking his short career so far up to this point. Uh, and multiplying his numbers by two and assuming that that's his 162 when he plays in a full season. You can't do that, unfortunately. It's very speculative. He, uh, I mean, everything is there, and I I am very high on Bo Bichette. I definitely will make sure I take Bo Bichette in a dynasty league. I took him uh, in a dynasty draft. I took him seventh overall, and I think that that's not overvaluing what he could be in dynasty. But Again, I think that Fernando Tatis factor, everybody is trying to get that next guy that's going to be huge 
And uh, at this point, they're like, maybe he's a first round pick next year. So his values keep shooting up. Aaron, I want to go back to you for your guy that you're going to be staying away from in the top 10. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why you brought on the shortstop expert. You guys have a really good pulse on this position in 2021. <laughs> no, seriously, like you guys are some, making some excellent points here. Um, the position as a whole is, we'll get to this a little bit later, but the position as a whole is super top heavy. So I know you guys have broken down positions one through 10 and then 10, and then 11 through 20. It's much harder at shortstop to find somebody in the top 10 because these guys are so good. They are such good fantasy assets. They all have, you know, these guys are all going in the top 50 overall in ADP and to poke holes in guys going in the top 50 is much more difficult than when you're talking about second base or, you know, positions where it's more spread out across the entire draft, but the, the shortstop bunch is really tight up at the top. So you'll see in a second that I just like, I have a difficult time disliking any of the shortstops that are going in the top 10. Be but, mean. It's okay. No, but, we don't judge. But, no, no, but, but the truth is like, the easiest one to nitpick is Corey Seager of the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's uh, shortstop number seven going off the board. His ADP is at 30. It looks like he plays NFBC because his min pick is 16, which is crazy. <laughs> and his and his max pick is 48. But Seager crushed the ball in 2020, literally. Like the metrics are nuts on this guy. 15.8% barrel rate, a 55.4% hard hit rate. And when he lifted the ball, when he got a good launch angle, it went over the wall like at a crazy rate. He had 15 homers in 232 plate appearances. 21.7 of his fly balls were homers last year. Wow. Uh, I'm going to throw the wet blanket on this whole thing. In, in his career, entering 2020, Seager had just a 15.2% home run to fly ball. So that went up in 2020, 43% from his career mark. He had a career 43.8% hard hit rate. That went up 27% from his career mark in 2020. He had a career 7.7% barrel rate. That went up 51% from his career rate. He had a career year in 2020. There's no speed element with him. He's got 11 stolen bases in 541 games. Like I don't want to be wishy-washy here, so like I'm going to leave out the good about him because like truthfully, there's nothing worse than when you when like somebody asked me take a stand on somebody and then I caveat my stance with I'll have some shares of him though. Like I, I don't, I don't want to, like I don't want to go on this crazy rant off of, off of this, but um, I just, I try to avoid that analysis because the great majority of people listening are playing in one league, right? So they need to know who they need to avoid in their one league or two leagues. So of course these guys are all good, but let's like give them some good advice. They don't really have room for shares in their life. Anyway, let me get off that rant. Uh, just he's going in front of power speed combos like Ozzy Albies, Kyle Tucker. He's going in front of Nolan Arenado and Jose Abreu, who even if you're the biggest Seager tout, like you would kill to have a Nolan Arenado or a Jose Abreu season out of Seager this year. They would just kill for it if they get a full season like that. I have no idea how he can live up to this draft day cost. Like seriously, I just I don't get I don't get it with Seager. I get it. I I know he's had a really he had a really impressive postseason we'll get to that in my 11 through 20 player that i don't like but like i don't know what i'm missing here with seager uh people are loving him the dodger bump yeah there's a dodger bump that's true Uh, la new york you know i'm a new yorker i get it i i look at my drafts i bet that i have yankees and mets rated higher than you know cardinals and and brewers for sure siri Make note not to draft Corey Seager in any of my drafts. Okay. She noted it for me. So 
Honestly, I, I don't disagree with that. I know I'm kind of half kidding because I, I will take, like you said, I will have some Corey Seager shares, but I think that's a very valid point that that home run fly ball is not sustainable. And that obviously I think also the Dodgers too, in the sense that they have a lot of guys, they like to rotate in, give guys day off too. So his counting stats won't be quite as good at the end of the season for that reason. Um, and his value, I mean, I don't have it in front of me. I'm pretty sure he was like a fourth or fifth round pick last year, if I'm not mistaken. And no, no, no. He was like in the 100s. Was he yeah, that low? I think he was about 110 or so. Yeah, I think it was oh, about okay. 110 or so. So yeah, even, I mean, I understand that he had a healthy year last year. He did have a lot of injuries before that. So that's also something to keep in mind too with this extremely high cost. Uh, but he's a very talented player and he's definitely, you know, he could be worth the cost. But I, I agree with you, Aaron. There is a lot of risk there. I'm going to go to a guy that has a lot of risk in his name too. And that's Glaber Torres. And I know he's all the way down at 10. So the risk is, or it's not quite as risky as what he was once ranked. But you start out number one. He's not second base eligible anymore, which was a huge reason he was so valuable that he was second base and shortstop eligible. Take that away. He also was being reported as being out of shape last year, which as a young guy like him, I don't like hearing as well. That means their work ethic is not there and they don't want to be great. And I know that can change, but at this young age, especially playing for an organization like the Yankees where the magnifying glass is on you, I don't like hearing that type of information. You then go to his StatCats page and he's a Mr. Freeze. His K rate did go down and his walk rate did go up, which were you know positive signs, but he did hit the ball a lot less hard, which was something he really excelled at in 2019. His barrel percentages, exit velos, launch angles, sweet spot percentages, X slugs, all that good stuff all went way down. The barrel percentage in particular went from 10% to 3%. He hit five home runs all of 2020 after 41 in 2019. And I know a lot of that was uh, padded from the Camden Yards aspect that already left questions in his profile. I was waiting for somebody to say that. You know, I'm going to always say that if he comes up. But he also really regressed versus breaking balls. Saw them in pretty much the exact same amount of percentage in 2019 as 2020. And... With that, his whiff rate went up on those from 32% to 45%. His zone, and, and this was, I thought was really interesting. His zone swing, first swing percentage, and swing, all the swing percentages were well down across the board. And this is a guy that you associate as being very aggressive when his approach. And to me, that lack of aggression means he was not confident in his swing last year. And he basically was leaving the bat on his shoulder. Obviously, he had a higher walk rate because of that. But I think this is a guy that does better when he's aggressive and he did not seem like he had that confident mindset when going into the plate. This also carried over with his ground ball rate going up and weak contact going up. I I'm a little nervous with a young player like this, that again, you play in New York, the most, the biggest bright lights are on you. You're not handling the pressure while gaining weight and and being out of shape throughout the season. They have a lot of roster flexibility, especially if they bring back LeMayhew. It's not like uh, they're, they're hurting for players that can hit. So, this is a guy that I take your term, Art. Um, this is somebody that, again, at 10 is, is a lot better value than what he was before, but he has so much volatility that I think I'm completely staying away from him. I'll let someone else draft him. If he bounces back, great, but it won't be me that takes that chance in most of my leagues. So uh, let's move from the top 10. And then this is the part I know Aaron's been waiting to get to the 11 to 20, where you can start picking on some guys here. Uh, so Aaron, I'll let you start off with the 11 to 20 guy that you really like before we get negative. And who's that person? Well, so uh, let me just comment on, on your Glaber Torres take, like 
David, you, you're spot on. That is the exact line of denomination here for shortstops for me. I, I hear a lot of people talking about the shortstop position. Of course, I did a lot of research for the Black Book, and I was looking into these guys for two months prior to today, prior to the book being released in December. You know, right after the season started, we started diving in and, and taking a look at these guys. And I hear often uh, analysts say the shortstop position is deep, and I completely disagree with that. It's excellent at the top. And excellence lasts like a while into the pool, but there's a cliff right around shortstop 10. And like, I'm not going to dodge who I like in 11 through 20, don't worry. Uh, but I prefer not to wait beyond Glaber. Like that's where I'll be. So on my in my drafts, I'll be tracking shortstop, of course, the shortstop guy. I'll be tracking shortstops um, in my drafts. And once about six are off the board, that's when I'll start to make my plan of attack for the position. And you overdraft Corey Seager, got it. And I'm not going to overdraft Corey Seager, for sure not. That's why I said six, where Corey Seager's at seven and <laughs> slide in right behind Corey Seager and take somebody, you know, who's better. But anyway, uh, if there's an if there's an unexpected run, like from seven to Glaber or something like that, whatever, I'll just wait and grab way later on Jorge Polanco, Paul DeYoung, Jose Iglesias type, something like that. But anyway, let me get back to your question directly. <laughs> 11 through 20 at shortstop. You don't know. I love talking about shortstops. 11 through 20. My guy is Dansby Swanson, Atlanta Braves. His ADP overall, 104, min pick 79, max pick 144. Started every game for Atlanta in 2020, slash 274, 345, 464. Very good numbers from the shortstop position. He was third in the entire National League and runs scored with 49 last year. Seventh in the entire National League with 65 hits. That's whole league-wide numbers, not just that shortstop. He's going somehow shortstop number 12 off the board. He's got a good max max exit velocity. If if you're into that, you know, proof of the power, 107 to 109 consistently. Um, he's 26 years old. Now he's about to hit those prime power years of his career. And his power has actually been peak, kind of trying to peak out 14 to 17 to 10 home runs over the last three seasons. Of course, the shortened season in 2020. If you break that down per plate appearance, that's one for 38 per 38 plate appearances back in 2018, one per 32 plate appearances in 2019. You can see where this is going, one per 26 plate appearances in 2020. If he can get to that one homer for every 20 plate appearance appearances and he gets 550 plate appearances, you're talking about a 28 home run shortstop. Combine that with the fact that he slotted to hit between right between Ronald Acuna Jr. and Freddie Freeman. Is there a better place in baseball to see a fat fastball? I don't think so. And last year, he hit 336 with a 588 slug on fastballs. So the guy can mash a fastball. He's got a 90th percentile sprint speed. He stole five bags last year without being caught. You can lock him in for 10 to 12 steals. And like I said, if he hits those mid to upper 20 home runs, this guy's a super value going after pick 100 in your drafts. Yeah, like you said, I pulled up roster resource just to check to make sure that they have him slotted up top because I know they've played around with where they put him in the order and he's been, you know, seventh at times and, and eight and all that type of stuff. And obviously, with if he's at the top of the lineup, he's going to score runs. He's going to get RBIs. He's he's protected around arguably being around Acuna and Freeman's as good as it gets, like you said. Sky's the limit for this guy. And I know a lot of people love Dansby Swatson. Uh, does the, I know it kind of varies to the person, how much injuries play a factor. He has had some injury problems. Uh, is that something that weighs to you when you're talking about Swatson or is that not something that's worrying you too much? So, I mean, I take every new season as a new opportunity for someone to be injured. 
Swanson doesn't have any of these like long-time lingering injuries. Like I said, he played every single game last year. That's anything and everything you could possibly ask him to do for you to throw away that injury past. Of course, he had that bust prospect past. And he's, again, he's climbed his way out of that hole. He's elevated his game consistently over the last three years to become one of the better shortstops quietly. I think he's a post, 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 post type guy because, you know, so many people have gotten burned by Dansby over the years. They forget how young he is at only 26 years old. And, you know, he still has plenty of good years to give you. And I really think 2021 is going to be one of those ones that we would look back on and say, wow, how did he go after 100 in my draft? I agree. I, I think Swatson is such a great staple to have in your lineup. And like you said, you can wait on him later on, fill some other holes on your team, and he's a great value at number 12. Cheesecake, who are you looking at in this range? Yeah, I, I just want to go real quick and say, like, I'm looking at the, the ADP. Swanson is, is in like a shortstop desert area between Baez, Swanson, and Correa. There's 50 picks, and Swanson is the only shortstop going in that area. Aaron, do you think you're going to wait till 100 to pick him, or do you think you're going to have to, you're going to go 85, 90, and yeah, try to like, grab him there? Yeah, like I said, my, my strategy going in on shortstops is going to be to get one of the top nine, so just above the Glaber line, and it's not going to be. It's not going to be Corey Seager. So one of those guys, I think you just you have you're going to have to pay the price at the shortstop position. And mm-hmm. if you don't, Danby Dansby Swanson is that type of guy in the mid rounds that you can target, it, depending on how you structure your draft. Right? I mean, we could talk about nine million ways to draft a fancy baseball team. But if you're going, you know, if you're not getting the stud the stud hitters at the very top, and you've spent a lot of your draft capital early on pitching, and you're trying to find somebody to fill categories for you, and the shortstop position is not it's not great after Swanson I can tell you that you, you know you're getting down taking a lot of risk once you get down this at this position this far down um your draft board so I think Swanson is like that ejection seat you know where you're like you just pull the lever and you're like I if I don't take Swanson now so I you're right I can see myself reaching probably into the 80s for him mm-hmm. just to be sure that I'm not sitting there at 96 and he goes yeah that's a yeah. good point yeah, I I mean I'm I'm going for a little bit later ejection seat than you are uh because I I you know and I hate to say it because I hate the Cardinals but Tommy Edmond is a guy who who has a lot of positional uh flexibility second base third base shortstop outfield according to the NFBC and he has a lot of talent. Now he had a, a slightly down 2020 season. He only hit 250 in his steals for some reason he went 2 for 7 on the base paths. He had been he went 15 for 16 in 2019, and in his minor league career, he went 71 out of 84, an 85 percent uh, 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 steal rate. So success rate, I should say. So I think that I think that uh, Edmund actually is a guy who has talent to move up draft boards, but his price is being depressed, um, rightfully so, because of his down season. But I also think that it was just a down season and not a true talent, uh, true talent showing. He has had 576 plate appearances in the major leagues so far. And over that 576 plate, plate appearances, he has 88 runs, 62 RBIs, 16 home runs, 17 stolen bases, and he's hit 283. That is a really nice line uh, a five, in a five by five. And uh, he has uh, projected to hit 15 home runs, steal 16 bases. They only have Steamer only has him projected going hitting 268. I think that's a slightly soft projection for a guy who 
hit over 300 his last few stops in the minors and hit over 300 in uh, in um in 2019 at St. Louis and he's going to be batting leadoff for the Cardinals as well. So you can see those runs getting up there. You can see those steals being easier to come by because it's not going to be hurt by being down in the lineup. And uh, he has that positional flexibility where you go get him, you have him as your shortstop, a free agent comes up to shortstop that you really like. Hey, slide him over to another position, slide him, slide him somewhere else. You could put him in the outfield if you need to. And I love that when you're trying to build your team and that going at pick 136, there's not a lot of guys after pick 100 who have a projection of 1515 with potential for even more than that. And I think there is potential for even more than that. And it's not hurting you in batting average. I don't think that you can go wrong getting a guy who actually has that sort of profile, especially going in pick 136. Tommy Edmond is a guy who I would not mind actually sticking at my shortstop if I strike out once again on the top guys like I have year after year after year. Did that hurt as a Cubs fan to give all that? Oh, I, I wanted to say he was the guy I was going to fade. And then I, I was looking into him and go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fade Tommy Edmund and I'm going to make a great argument against him. And then, you know, his profile just changed my mind. And I have to admit it, to be a good analyst, you have to go against your fanhood sometimes. And it hurts. Who so said every time, so. What'd you say, Doc? That who says you're a good analyst, though? <laughs> oh, wow. No one, actually. <laughs> I say he's a good analyst. Mm-hmm. I say you're a bad analyst, Doc, but you can go ahead. Yeah, you're a bad host, David. That's All right, fine. well, I'm going to go with that ejection seat a little lower, and I'm going to go Marcus Simeon. Uh, he's the 16th-ranked shortstop with an average ADP of 145. It's funny because I think that we all view 2020 differently for some players. But looking back, this is a guy that finished, and to take Art's phrase, this guy finished third in MVP voting in 2019. You look at his history. He's played 155 games or more in four out of the last five full seasons. So not only is he staying healthy, but the Oakland A's are basically playing him every day. He's had double-digit home runs and stolen bases the last five years. And it's not like, okay, he's hitting 11, 12 home runs. He hit 27 in 2016, and he hit 33 in 2019. So we know he has 20-plus home run power as he's done it multiple times. So what happened in 2020? Well, his batting average dropped to 223. His K rate skyrocketed from 13.7 to 21.2. But I looked to, for as it to regress a little bit as he has a career 17.6. His walk rate dropped from 11.6 to 10.6 percentage, but that's still the second highest of his career. So I think over the past couple of years, he started to take more pitches and he started off really slow. He hit 185 the first month, but he ended the season pretty well. Over the last 17 games, he hit safely in 12 out of them, which is 71%. So I think he was somebody that as the end of the year came, he kind of got a little bit more uh, you know, acclimated. I think it was Everybody handled the shortened season differently, but I think over a course of a full season, he's a great value at that spot. Yeah, I mean, Semyon showed in 2019 he was MVP candidate, even if he's not quite that going forward. He still looks like he's a great value where he's going. A a guy I want to bring up here, Javi Baez, this one's just for you, Cheesecake. Had to bring a Cub into this discussion. He's shortstop 11. And you look into his profile, obviously he slashed 203, 238, and 360 in 235 plate appearances. Not great. 
And it wasn't just his ugly plate discipline that disappeared this past season, but he was also just flat out missing hittable pitches in the zone, fastballs going right down the heart of the plate, the same pitches that he's actually just crushed in the past. And his 252 Woba ranked the bottom 3% of qualified hitters. His career worst 31.7% strikeout rate clocked in among the bottom 7% in the league. And his 3% walk rate, which is absolutely putrid, was lower than 98% of the league. So again, I'm talking all this negative about somebody I, I put as a love here. And he's, again, down all the way to number 11. And the thing that I look at, and this is going to be more of a gut call than giving data and kind of talking about why I see these changes in profile, that kind of stuff. But him and JD Martinez were the two guys that came forward about this. Their lack of being able to use video really hurt them being able to kind of look at their swings, look at how they're being attacked and, and, and kind of being able to make those changes that they've been used to doing. And JD Martinez, who I wrote an article about recently is, was pretty public about his, his anger towards it away from him. And it changed his whole approach as a hitter. And he mentioned that he said, look, not everybody's got that God-given gift. He said, some people have to work at it. And video is something that we've become as a new generation of hitters accustomed to. And if you take that away from us, that's a big part of our game. Javi Baez coming out and saying the same thing. You can see that he was even someone that was not, or he didn't have great play discipline. Someone who didn't walk a lot was even worse this year. So I'm thinking in a full regular offseason, let him have some tape, let him be able to break down his swing. I think he's going to be someone that's firmly in the top 10 going forward, more closer to the top six, seven guys. If you give him video, if you give him a normal season where he has everything access to him. And I think this is the biggest discount you're going to be able to get on him personally. Now, are you worried that the Cubs seem to be rebuilding? I mean, he's not going to have that same lineup protection that he always, if they, especially if they get rid of Rizzo and Bryant and a couple of the others. I know Contreras is gone and, uh, or uh, Schwarber's gone and Contreras could be gone as well. So I need to see how everything plays out a little bit first. But as it stands right now, they still have all their big hitters that they've had before except for Schwarber. And uh, so I'm going to go off of what we have now. And it's someone I think that will have a lot better season in 2021. David, your gut call on Javi Baez is pretty good here because last year he only made contact on 74.6% of strikes thrown to him, which is one which is his worst ever in his career. And even when he made contact in the zone or out of the zone for that matter, his balls, his bad average on balls in play, his BABIP was 262. And that's way below his 333 career mark. And even way below the, you know, the 298, 302 major league average. So unlucky not hitting strikes last year i think there is a lot you know there is some kind of connection there between what changed last season and how much that impact Baez and jd martinez and guys like that for sure yeah i think again this is going to be the lowest you're going to get him um you know until he really starts taking a turn so i'm all in on that value there i'm happy to get him later on he's someone actually him and torres right there back to i feel more comfortable in him over torres because of his track record personally And again, somebody that I will happily snag at this spot. Let's go to the other side of the coin here. And we're going to go to talking about someone in this range we are going to fade. And I'm just going to really quickly start out with this one because I don't don't have a lot I'm going to say about this guy. And it's Jake Cronenworth. And the only thing reason I'm not going to say a lot is if you've listened to the show and people that are listening now, I assume regularly listen to the show. We did talk about him in length. Cheesecake gave a great breakdown about him. And I don't want to recycle the same information and kind of waste everybody's time hearing the same recycled information. Cheesecake laid it out beautifully last week. But the only thing I am going to say is since that pod, they have now acquired 
uh, Hyung Sung Kim. And that's someone that's going to be taking his role in the infield. They have not traded any hitters as of this moment. So right now he's looking like a super utility player. And he's also got to compete that with Aaron, with Austin Nola, who also has now become a super utility player on that team. So great profile. Um, as if you look at his stack cast page, a lot of things look great. Again, Cheesecake broke it down beautifully last week. If you want to kind of see why as, as a pot, I think we're generally going to be fading him. But as it stands right now with that team, this is not someone that's going to be getting consistent at bats. And this is somebody that I, I'm going to make sure I pick in this range that has consistent playing time, which he does not. So that is just my argument against him personally. And I want to go back to you, Aaron, for your guy. Sure. So shortstops 11 through 20. Again, I want to I want to pick in the top 10 shortstops this year. So I want to make that perfectly clear. Like if there's one thing you take away from this podcast for me, make sure you get a shortstop kind of early in your drafts. But if you're waiting and you're waiting around, don't fall in love with someone's name. Don't fall in love with what you saw them do in the playoffs on TV. Do not fall in love with Carlos Correa. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> 127th is his ADP overall, his min, min pick 89, his max pick 164, so a big span there. I think people have one one opinion or another on Correa, and I'm closer to the 164, obviously. I want to take the same approach I took for Xander Bogarts when, I, when I'm talking about Correa. So looking at the two years heading into COVID, Doc, you talked about this. Some people have different ways to look at 2020. So let's look at how we would look at Carlos Correa heading into 2020 before we get to his 2020 season. In the two years prior, he only played a total of 185 games. He's been injury prone throughout his career. I mean, actual injuries, true injuries. His his batting average in those two seasons, 255. He only hit 36 home runs combined in those two seasons. He doesn't show enough power. His four stolen bases might as well be zero. That There's no contributing factor there over two years with four steals. 226 runs plus RBI. That's good for one season, but that's not good when you're talking about two seasons. Now 2020 comes along, and Carlos Correa is playing. And he slashes 264, 326, 383. I actually wrote LOL next to that. Like, <laughs> that's a terrible slash line. And, and you know, for real life and or fantasy, he had five home runs, zero stolen bases. And then, then the buzz happens. Like, this guy's a sleeper all of a sudden. Carlos Correa is on everyone's shortstop sleeper list. Why? Postseason bias. It, it truly happens all the time. Six homers, 17 RBIs in a 13-game postseason sample. I mean, for me, just spare me the Correa. His injury history is enough to keep me away. His offensive outputs since 2017, and now that's a long time ago. It's, it's way in the past. I am not going to be on Carlos Correa at all. Pure pass. Yeah, Carlos Correa is a very interesting player because, again, you talked about the injuries and the whole what's the lineup going to look like, and it's it's a very sticky situation. I think, like you said, his name pops. You're like, oh my god, Carlos Correa is here, but you look kind of underneath the hood. It's not always as pretty as it looks, and I think that's really important that you brought that up to our listeners because the ones that see his name and automatically think he's a steal need to make sure that they look a little bit more into his profile. I think you outlined that beautifully. Um, Doc, I want to go to you next. Yeah, I was just going to say, somebody said the best ability is availability, and Carlos Correa does <laughs> not have that. I think that was I you, said Doc. that last I, week. That and David yeah, said, that was you. I said that last week, and David said, Oh, 
That's a cheesy line. Yeah, but when Aaron says it, it's okay. When you say it. David, you're a politician. You flip-flop. What? And and it's interesting because with Carlos Correa, the Astros championship window is kind of closed. George Springer appears to be gone. Jose Altuve is injury-prone himself. Justin Ferlander got Tommy John surgery. Zach Zach Granke is another year older. Ozuna is having Tommy John. Uh, Guriel is, I think, 30. Stop wasting time and give us your player. Okay, ugly. Um, for me, it's Jonathan VR and Art uh, disliked him last week, so we're taking a metaphorical poop together. So besides his 2019, where he was really balanced with 24 home runs, 73 RBIs, 40 stolen bases, he basically, you're banking on steals with him. And I think you're really chasing the upside that he had 62 in 2016. But his aver- his batting average and on-base percentage has dropped each year. You also look at the fact that he has a 26.1 career K rate. So if he's not getting on base, he's striking out a lot in points leagues that will ding you. But I also look at his team perspective. He's played on four teams in the last three years. So that is really no undefined role. If he was really sought after, teams would want to keep him instead of trading him to the Orioles, the Marlins. And with the Blue Jays, we've talked about that that infield is really crowded if they go and get George Springer. Somebody is going to be shipped out. I don't see VR staying with Toronto the entire season, and I don't think he's going to be an everyday player. And Aaron mentioned the huge variance. Well, VR, his min pick is 94, and his max pick is 229. So that lets you know there's a wide range of opinions on him. Wow, that's actually very interesting. I I wonder if it was his mom that picked him at 94, (laughs) most likely. Um, Cheesecake, give us your guy real quick so we can move on to our last winner. Yeah, the guy I, I want to talk about is Didi Gregorius. Didi had a pretty good season in Philadelphia. Slash line 284, 339, 488. Really nice to get that slash line at pick 162 as your shortstop. But where is he going to be playing this year? I was on MLB Trade Rumors. There is nothing in the past few months uh, for Didi. No sign of interest. I went to MLB.com's uh, um, hot stove and the Anthony Castro Vince thinks that the best fit is Cincinnati. Uh, Jim Bowden agrees. Uh, I don't think much of Jim Bowden, but you know he he is a former GM. So, but Cincinnati is also in on Angelton Simmons, also in on Marcus Semien. There's a there's a, a glut of free agent shortstops right now, and uh, Didi Gregorius is going as the what is it 18th shortstop right now, and he has no home. And I don't really know where the perfect fit is if dj lemay who doesn't sign with the yankees it is perhaps where he ends up they might go back to dd put glaber at second base but you know that is a lot of ifs and you're drafting him here there's a lot of good starting pitching going at this at this place and there's also some good shortstops going later that you might have a chance to to nab that have a have a role and have a have some at bats. Plate appearances coming the way all, their way already. So, Didi's a guy I'm fading right now because he has no home. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, again, until someone gets an actual team, hard to draft them because you never know a lot of factors that go into that decision. Let's get to the most interesting part of this discussion and the ones that people really want to see where they can get late, late if they're really fading shortstop, and that's the ones going outside the top twenty, the ADP on NFC and. Fantasy triad, Mr. Aaron, I want to go back to you. 
who is this is again this is i feel like this is your stuff right here this is what the stuff you love to talk about the ones people might not be looking in as much detail who is outside the top 20 that you are going to slam your fist on the table and pound and tell them you need to draft this guy this is going to sound so homer but i'm targeting andres jimenez in all of my drafts (laughs) it's the truth uh he's a speedster 93 stolen bases over four minor league seasons in 2020 the Mets played Jimenez all over the infield. He had eight steals in his 132 plate appearances. His on-base percentage is like 35, 36% if, in the minors. If that makes it to the big leagues, he's like a legitimate late-round source of steals. We push steals up so high in our drafts, so high. All these guys who can steal 15 bags, 18 bags, they get such. They get like a four, five, eight-round bump. And now you can wait till the end of your drafts and maybe find a guy who can give you a 270 batting average with 25 steals. Now that Robinson Cano has finally taken his last shot, pun intended, with the Mets. Again, his versatility only adds to his ability to play, you know, his multiple positions. He can fill in. Luis Rojas, the Mets manager, has shown already that he likes to use Jimenez all over the field, even earlier as as a defensive replacement in different spots for J.D. Davis and Jeff McNeil and guys like that. So Jimenez, I loved him before Cano went out with the PED suspension. I am absolutely in love with him this year after. Yeah, I mean, he came kind of burst on the scene last year and in a Mets lineup that people are expecting are going to be really improved, kind of in a better direction. Just going to keep boosting all the Mets stuff up for you, but uh, yeah, I think he's he really seems like he's going to be a great value there. He's going to be someone that can contribute in a lot of different categories for you. And I think it's a great call there. Cheesecake, I'm going to go to you next. Who's your guy outside the top 20? Willie Castro, a shortstop for the Detroit Tigers. He's a young prospect. He's 23 years old right now. Last season, as as a 23-year-old, he had 349 in his coffee with the Tigers. He had a little cup of coffee. 20 as well, but only 230. Uh, I'm not worried about that too much. In AAA, he was a 300 hitter. Uh, Steamer has him as a 270, 320, 425 triple slash with 15 home runs and nine stolen bases. I think that's pretty nice. He's also going to be hitting second in that Detroit lineup. Uh, the Right now, it's uh, Victor Reyes, Willie Castro, Miguel Cabrera, Heimer Candelario, and Jacoby Jones. You know, anytime you're hitting towards the top of a lineup, you have a chance for increased plate appearances, increased runs, increased uh, increased um, increased production. So I think that Castro, a young guy who was young for uh, young for his 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 level, each place he went, 22 year old at AAA hitting 300, 23 year old in the in the bigs hitting 349. Next year he's just going to be uh, I think he's going to be 23 still when the season starts. So I really like him to grow and I like him having those everyday at bats in Detroit and they're going to let him, they're going to run him out there. They're going to keep him running out there, even if he starts a little slow. So I really like that as well about him. Cheesecake slam freaking dunk, man. Nico Goodrum stinks. Um, and, <laughs> yes, and I can tell you, Willie Castro, a lot faster than, than steamers given him credit for 84th percentile sprint speed last year. He had 99 career stolen bases in six minor league seasons and another late source of steals. He's got some pop in his bat, too. Don't be surprised if he hits 15 homers, 25 steals. Nice nice call there. Love that awesome. cheesecake. Way to, way to give us some good advice again to some bad ones. Eric, 
who are you going? And I know you're going in the NL West for this one. Yeah. Uh, first off, David, I hate you. Um, but I'm going to go with Nick Ahmed. And he is shortstop 33 with an ADP of 383.5. I look at his 2018 and 2019 numbers. 2018, 16 homers, 70 RBIs. 2019, 19 homers, 82 RBIs. You'll take that power from a shortstop, especially that you can basically get for free at the end of drafts. He'll get you between five to eight stolen bases. He actually had four in 57 games in 2020, so maybe double-digit upside, 10-11. The last three years, his batting average and on-base percentage has gone up, and it's actually his uh, walk percentage has gone up the last five years. Uh, his strikeout rate has maintained around 20% for the in- his entire career, so not not super high, also not low. Um, and he's hitting six, so that's some RBI opportunities in a potentially sneaky good uh, Diamondbacks lineup. And from 2017, he's had huge jumps in his barrel and hard hit percentage. And I look for that to continue in 2021. Nick Ahmed's been the type of player that has like a good like 10 day stretch and you pick up and you ride it out as much as you can. And then he goes completely cold for like that. If he was top 20, I probably wouldn't have taken him, but at 33, that is just crazy value. No, I agree. And again, he'd been, he's someone who's can produce. So uh, I, I think that's a good call. Somebody that's just inside the top 30, but I think a good value at 28. Just I'm kind of interested in his profile. And this is someone that's not going to be a big gamble to take. Again, we're kind of looking at guys that you can get later on in this that might be worth a gamble. And that's Mauricio Dubon. And something about Mauricio Dubon that I liked, you go to his stack cast page, he did not hit the ball hard. Um, which is something that, again, some, a lot of people like to look at. I do look at his year-to-year increase in his change, and he upped his exit velocity, upped his barrel percentages. He dumped, uh, He actually did jump his exit velocity up some, even if it wasn't a ton. Double, Almost doubled his launch angle, and it's at a range that I really like at right now, around 16%. And he upped his sweet spot percentage uh, as well. Hard hit rate jumped over 10%. Walk percentage nearly doubled. Combine that, that he also lowered his ground ball percentage 14%, up his line drive rate 6%. He also hit the ball to all areas of the field this year. And if you look actually in his profile, uh, when you scroll down and you see that where he kind of dispersed the ball around the field, when he was up in 2019, he pulled the ball 40% of the time and barely hit opposite field, hit 27% of the time opposite field. He lowered that to 37% pull and changed that to 30% opposite field. So he's hitting in the 30% ranges for all three areas of the field. So I think he's really able to distribute the ball well. His weak contact went down. His top percentage also went extremely down. Again, this is some. I think he can learn to hit the ball harder. Right now, I know Roster Resource has him hitting ninth. I don't think that's going to stay that way. He's their first or second fastest player. He's got a 75% sprint speed. So the stolen base potential is there. I think he has to get smarter on the base paths. That was something that kind of plagued him a lot uh, early on in his career. So he has to learn when to read better, when, uh, you know, getting the jumps to score, when and when not to steal bases. But this is a young guy that I think has the chance to move up in that Giants lineup, an improving Giants lineup, and somebody that most people aren't talking about quite as much that I'm intrigued with some of the changes he's already made in his young career. So what a way to end on Mauricio Dubon. That's how we do. Uh, But great discussion, gentlemen. As always, I think every listener can gain a lot of advice and uh, can gain a lot of knowledge from 
what we're bringing to the table with these deep dives in this position here. I want to go from that to our game, or let's go to our question of the week. And our question of the week is sponsored by Shady Rays. So, listeners, Aaron, I got to ask you, when your future is so bright, just like yours, Aaron, you could say it's incredibly blinding. You need to make sure that you're armed with the best eyewear in the game and keep those peepers in check. And how would you do that, you ask? None other than getting some Shady Rays. You're trying to run, hike, surf the waves, heck, even write awesome articles like my man Aaron does over there. These shades are for you. Shady Rays wants you to own quality, polarizing, and affordable shades that you can wear for any occasion. Whether your sunglasses break, get scratched, lost, or anything under the sun, they're going to replace that bad boy for you. For every order placed, Shady Rays donates 10 meals to Feeding America and have over 13 million donated meals to date. If you like what you're hearing, use code TRIPLEPLAY at checkout and get 25% off any order of shades that exclude the RX collections. Again, for the people in the back, that's 25% off your order of shades with the code TRIPLEPLAY. Don't get blinded by your success. Use Shady Rays. David, you know, you sucked up to two errands today. That's a record for you. You must have a, you must have a fascination with that name. My middle name is Aaron, so I mean, why not, right? Yeah, give, just give away all of your information. Tell your social security number next. Uh, maybe, a, maybe a future pod. But our question of the week, which retired MLB hitter would you pick first for your softball team? So this is a very interesting question. Could be a lot of different answers here. Aaron, you're the guest. I want to start with you. Who's the hitter you're drafting first for your softball team? I just want to give a peek behind the curtain here. You guys sent this question out to me. I spent all day thinking about this. Like, how <laughs> am I going to approach this? I sat down for lunch and I'm like, okay, softball. I've played softball. Like, you find the biggest guy who can hit the ball the furthest. But then I was like, you know what? That's not all that softball is about. So I, I tried to come up with some qualities of a good softball teammate and I came up with three show up, crush the ball pick up the tab, right? Like those, yes. are like, those are three <laughs> awesome qualities for a softball teammate. So this guy I picked, this retired MLB hitter, 1,900 career games in 16 seasons, always showed up, 427 career dongs, crushed the ball. His net worth is $70 million. I added one more thing in there. You can't be a loser. You got to be a nice guy. You got to come from like a regular family. You can't be a first round draft pick. You can't. Gosh, be like, I want to know who this is already. A golden spoon guy, a sixty second rounder. My homeboy, my man, Mike Piazza. Oh, all day, yeah. every day. Um, you know, here's a great tidbit on Mike Piazza. By the way, I did not know this until after I picked him as my player. He is the all time. Okay, first, baseball swings don't work in softball. We all know this. If you've ever played, you watch these guys who play baseball and they swing and miss all the time. Mike Piazza, all time leader. In Rock and Jock softball RBI. <laughs> Rock and Jock softball RBI. I've never. Yeah, heard he has the most RBI in in Rock and Jock softball. You know the old MTV where, yeah. they, where they had like the celebrities and the ma- ex major leaguers play. I don't know if you ever saw that, but you need to watch. I did. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Chris Conley of of uh, MTV and ESPN fame. He was keeping scorebooks, I guess, throughout this whole thing. And and he says Mike Piazza has the most RBI in in the Rock and Jock softball game. So Mike Piazza, you the man. You're on my softball team any day. Wow, that, that's. Way, way going to be better, I think, than any of our answers. That is, that it might win it right there. Sucks for Doc having to go after that. So go ahead. Who's your guy? Yeah, I don't even know how I top that. Uh, <laughs> my pick was Jermaine Dye. 
because he always seemed to get a clutch hit or a clutch home run whenever his team needed. I know David is thinking about it right now. And in softball, I mean, like you said, the swings are different, but you're going to need somebody to come through in the clutch and I'll make sure that I'll calculate my lineup. Okay, we're down by one. Okay, everybody strike out. So Jermaine Dye hits at the bottom and get a walk off. <laughs> yeah, Jermaine Dye is a, a reach there. So I uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't turn him down either. So good call. Cheesecake? I, I'm going with Adam Dunn. My my uh, my thinking was, was, was like Aaron's first thought, get the guy who hits the ball really far. I, I mean, I've played a lot of softball, and I love it when you get a big guy coming up. The pitcher just turns around and just starts waving the outfielders back. Go back. <laughs> go back. Go back. And Adam Dunn, you couldn't wave him back far enough. Adam Dunn actually has the longest home run uh, in the past, in the stack cast era for like, not even, I mean, in the past 10 seasons, I should say, for like four franchises. So oh. he's he's going to be the power and and you'll put him at first base or you know it's softball you can even put him in the outfield it doesn't matter but he's he's going to be uh, that power source in your lineup and uh, he's going to be crushing balls and they're going to wave those outfielders way back and uh, he's still going to hit it over their heads and on the day you pick him he goes 0 for 4 with four strikeouts and slow pitch softball I was going to say, you would just have to convince him to swing the bat. It wasn't he like well known for just standing there and taking walks when it was time to get a big hit. That's Walks right. Walks Homer. <laughs> I just told, I, I kind of, I miss him. I miss him a ton. That, that guy just, when he, he was an entertaining at bat anytime you'd see him step to the plate. Um, so the guy I have, and I wanted, so I'm a little disappointed in Cheesecake and Doc because we had this guy on and are you are are you gonna say Espinosa? No, okay. no. We we had I was gonna we had this guy on and he talked about this guy, and we had JJ puts on and he talked about this guy that he plays softball right now, and this is a guy that was already a crazy home run hitter as it is, and that's Paul Canerco. And remember, if you guys remember, JJ puts said he I do he plays I under do. he's under the radar like he his Twitter name isn't his actual name he pretty much has it out there so no one can find him. But he he plays softball low key and he's just kind of living the good life. And I was like, all right, you have a guy that crushes that many home runs at the big league level that's playing softball right now. It, Paul Canerco, man, you can't you can't beat that. That's a great call. I like how uh, none of us picked like yeah, uh, right, like Barry Bonds, Bonds and Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire. Like what the hell? Yeah, like, Barry, Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Frank Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I'll take Paul Canerco versus the world at this point. So, but. Uh, I would, this needs to happen. I I would love for them. Like they have the big three for basketball. I would love for them to do a adult retired, like baseball league for retired MLB hitters that want to play and and pitchers that want to play. That would be awesome. So I'm, I'm petitioning for that on this episode of the pod. We might have to make that a thing, but great discussion with that one. Great player choices. Let's go to our last segment. And that's the game of the week. So the game is Guess That MLB Player by Voice. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play short clips of MLB players talking, and it's your job to guess who that voice is. I'm going to give you multiple choice for each one, just because I think with baseball it's a little harder to be able to identify who these players are. They're all active, so it's not like you have to go way, way far back here. And I won't take credit for this. I was searching online to try to find things, and I didn't want to have 10 tabs open. So there is one guy that put 
11 of these together. I just have timestamps so we can ignore his really horrible commentary in between. So I'll give credit to the uh, TD Barrett on YouTube for this. I just He did the legwork. I just added some stuff in. So as so Doc we would say, our- we'll listen to your horrible commentary in between. I got you, Doc. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, appreciate it. Appreciate it. You are oh, looking out. So are we just buzzing in with our name after you give all the choices? I'm trying to get over the burn that I just suffered from a fellow Aaron first. But so how this is going to work is we'll start with Aaron, Doc, Cheesecake, and then Doc, Cheesecake, Aaron. I'm going to give you all the same multiple choices, and you each will get a turn to guess. So I want everybody to be able to get a chance to guess. All right. So stick with me because I have the timestamps written down. I'm going to have to obviously fast forward. I'm going to try to cut out his annoying voice as much as possible. So. Here we go. Number one. Okay. She would tell me, hey, hey, we need an out right here. She'd tell me whatever I needed to do. So I would, you know, field ground balls and then run and touch first instead of throwing it. She did it all just to, to make sure I was in the best position to be the best I could be. All right. Can you got you guys heard that clearly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the choices are Cody Bellinger, Jackie Bradley Jr. Mookie Betts, Justin Upton. Starting with you, Aaron. I'll take Cody Bellinger. Doc. I'm going Bellinger as well. And Cheesecake. Justin Upton. We are at a big O for one. That is Mookie Betts. Ah. If you guys need it to be repeated, I will play each one again once if you ask for it. But only if you ask nicely. So we'll go to number two, and here we go. Obviously, what everybody's feeling, and uh, never want to put the focus just on me or anything like that. Um, this was a tough one for us tonight. It really was. Uh, That's hey. All right, Doc. Starting with you, who is that? Yeah, you got to give me the options. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yes, Noah Syndergaard, Clayton Kershaw. Aaron Savale, Jacob DeGrom. I'm going to go Kershaw. Cheesecake? That's Kershaw. It's got to be Kershaw. Wow. Way to redeem yourselves, fellas. It is Clayton Kershaw. That is a yeah, nice way, to, way to copy off me, fellas. <laughs> I, I knew from the voice before you even gave. That's Kershaw's voice. I know his voice. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why I do, but I knew that was Kershaw. All right. Well, we each have one. I'm not very good at math, so make sure you have your own score in your head as I navigate <laughs> here. So let's go to the next one, number three. This one's only seven seconds, so you make sure you listen up. You're only going to get harder. I know exactly. Uh, I'm going to play this again because he adds his commentary. Here's it one more time. You're only going to get harder. I know exactly. Uh, so the choices for this one, starting with you, Cheesecake, Nolan Arenado, Alex Bregman, Chris Bryant, Todd Frazier. Alex Bregman. Aaron? Disrespected, huh? I'm going to say uh, Todd Frazier. All right, Doc? Well, just for the sake of diversifying, I'm going Chris Bryant. Cheesecake said it with conviction, and that is correct. It is Alex Bregman. Nice job with that one. It's uh, obviously very hard, seven seconds here. So Cheesecake takes the lead. We are going to number four. Uh, the jump I use. Got my backpack. 
Oh, that's pretty really cool. Yes, yes, I like, I like bags. <laughs> yeah, my soap. Is that your favorite soap? Yes, that's my favorite soap. <laughs> Gotta stay fresh. My iPad to watch my videos. Oh, okay. Well, you guys want it again? Or you guys got it? We gotta get gotta know the options. Yeah, let's hear the options. Okay. The options are Francisco Lindor, Robinson Cano, Jose Ramirez, Jose Altuve. Can we hear it again? Here you go. Is that your favorite soap? Yes, that's my favorite soap. <laughs> Gotta stay fresh. My iPad to watch my videos. Oh, okay. All right, we're starting with Aaron for this one. Who you got? Uh, style and soap. I'm going to go with Frankie Lindor. Yeah, I'm going Lindor as well. Cheesecake? What were the? Can you give me the choices? Yes, Francisco Lindor, Robinson Cano, Jose Ramirez, and Jose Altuve. Oh, I thought you said Abreu the first time. Was one of them. I knew it wasn't a Brayu. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Lindor just because I have no idea. You guys all said Lindor, correct? Yeah, that is the correct answer. And all right. there, you got it with the swag. That I think that kind of gave it away a little bit. Yeah. Nice job. So cheesecake. I actually know what Cano and Altuve sound like. So it's between two for me. So cheesecake still has a one point lead. You both are tied with two. So let's go to question five. Great. Segment. Doing some extra dives and seeing how we get ready for the game. And uh, yeah, I was thinking. Got him, coach. I know exactly who this is. I was wondering what the fans at home thought about that. Maybe shoot you some messages on your Twitter and, and come up with some ideas. That, like, sorry, he screamed so loud, but I can't. I couldn't cut that part out. Uh, you guys, the options you have for this one are Paul Goldschmidt, Eric Cosmer, Pete Alonzo, and Joey Votto. And it's starting with you, Doc. Can you play it one more time, please? Yes. Great. Segment. Doing some exercises, seeing how we get ready for the game. And uh, yep. I was thinking. Got him, coach. I know exactly who this is. I was wondering what the fans at home thought about that. Maybe shoot you some messages on your Twitter. And, and uh, I'm going Pete Alonzo. All right. Cheesecake. Vado. Aaron, what are you thinking? He's lovable. He's a polar bear. It's Pete Alonzo. Aaron, you said it with such confidence, but cheesecake again. Oh. Joey Votto is the answer. Wow. I don't know how you've heard Joey Votto talk. He's like never talks, but uh, that that was awesome. I, I, did you know that? Like no doubt? No, it wasn't no doubt, but that was my gut. Was It was Votto. All right. Well, cheesecake got a two-point lead. Aaron and Doc at the rear fighting for second right now, but we still have six more to go unless cheesecake outpaces you guys so much here. This next one has a little bit more you can hear from. So uh, it's actually about 19 seconds. So you should be able to get a good idea who this one is. Here we go. Okay, I'm not an MLB genius. I'm all right there. It's uh, our 2018 season. Um, my focus all offseason was to get ready and be prepared for this year. Um, that was in the weight room on the field. Um, you know, working with my dad, of course, um, and doing everything I could to, you know, really prepare for this year. Um, I think I know who it is without you having to give the options. Feel that too, Doc. <laughs> All right, well, I think uh, Cheesecake starts – or no, uh, who starts yeah, this one? I Cheesecake? Do. Okay, what go ahead. options? Mike Trout, Bright, Bryce Harper, Garrett Cole, 
Christian Yelich. Bryce Harper. 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 Yeah, there we go. Give that was, that was who I was going to know. I know that yep. voice. Nice job, everybody on the board for that one. Uh, so we're going to move to the next one here. And this one also gives you about 14 seconds here to, to get this info. So let me get to their timestamp here. Next one. You know, it was, it was cool. Uh, obviously, uh, I know how passionate the fans are. He's in the offseason, spending time with my family, close to my family, and, uh, you know, scouting in front office, kind of do a job with their, with their, you know, the guys that they drafted. The choices for this one are Mike Trout, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, and Austin no- or Aaron Nola, excuse me. Can I hear that just one really quickly, one more time? Yes. Next one. You know, it was it was cool. Uh, obviously, uh, I know how passionate the fans are. He's in the offseason, spending time with my family, close to my family, and uh, you know, scouting in front office, kind of do a job with their with their you know the guys that they drafted. So again, the choices are Mike Trout, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, and Aaron Nola. I'm going to take uh, Aaron Nola. Doc? I'm going Freddie Freeman. Cheesecake. I'm going to go with Freeman as well. I think Freeman's the only one that has a family. A big offer. Wow. Everybody. Mike Trout has a baby girl or whatever that was born this year. Do you not remember? Yeah, but I, I thought this might have been an older interview. I would, I would be surprised that Trout said that the organization was doing a good job. That's why I was going to say, Trout. passionate fans in Los Angeles? Come on now, Mike Trout. <laughs> he's just, You're not he's cool just, to me. Just trying to get on their good graces. So Cheesecake still remains with a two-point lead. We've got four left. And the next one is here. All right, the choices for this one are as follows. You have Juan Soto, Jose Abreu, Gary Sanchez, and Nelson Cruz. And Doc, you are starting. Can you play one more time, please? Yes. No. <laughs> Ask politely. I'm going Nelson Cruz. Cheesecake. Abreu. Aaron. Abreu. He's Cuban. The answer is Gary Sanchez. Whoa. What? Wow. I heard him say Cuba. I was like, too, it's got to be a break. <laughs> uh, that's why I threw him in there. It's a little curveball for it you. It just sounded like a grown man voice. Well, I mean, these are all grown men, honestly. Jose Abreu, Gary Sanchez, Nelson Cruz. Juan Soto, I guess, is a little younger. But uh, all right. So Cheesecake with two-point lead with three left. You guys got to get these to uh, to take over the lead here. So let's go to the next one. Record's not doing too bad. We had the same expectations last year. Uh, just wasn't as uh, much in the news. But with the, the group of guys in there, we all expected to to do what we did last year, and uh, not much has changed. So obviously, we got a long way to go, but uh, you know, a good vibe, and um, we're ready for the second half. All right. The choices for this one are Trey Turner, Lucas Giolito, Jacob Degrom, and Christian Yelich. And I forgot who we're starting with for this one. It's me, I think. It is. 
Yeah. Um, Yelich. Aaron. I'm going to say Trey Turner. I have to pick a different one if I want to stay alive, and I'm going to say DeGrom. Cheesecake, you might have to have a profession in these voices, oh, man. Goodness. It is Christian Yelich. That is a nice job. So that was actually my initial thought, but I was like, I have to say something to tie. So well, you, you, you could have said that and then gone different on the last two to tie him. Yeah, but Ard follows me, so he could have blocked me. Strategy. Well, I don't even need to go to the last two because Cheesecake got this in the bag. You guys can't catch up. That was a great job by Cheesecake. I don't have the uh, the soundtrack up, so I'll give you the the old fashioned applause. Nice job. I like, it. I like it. The ten to fifteen second FaceTime is yours, and then we're gonna get Aaron out of here. Man, fantasy triage, Aaron. Thank you for coming on. You know your knowledge of shortstop is really second to none, and you're really giving this to our fans right now. And uh, you know, we try to give the best to our fans, and we did that this week. Thanks, Aaron. You're the man, and and Aaron, I want to make sure. You get a chance to plug your stuff, but I do want to say thank you again for coming and joining us tonight. It was an absolute blast uh, to talk with you and just break down shortstops. So, um, you know, anything you want to plug, any secret projects you're working on, all that stuff, it, the floor is yours, my man. My pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for having me and hosting me. Uh, of course, I can't get out of here without telling all of your listeners to go to Amazon.com, pick up a 2021 fantasy baseball black book, Kindle version or paperback. Uh, Joe does a great job updating his RPV throughout the year for like five extra dollars. It's like the biggest steal on the, in the internet. And the book is such a great resource for all your drafts. Doesn't matter what kind of league you play in. You can find my stuff over at fantasyinframes.com or per, or the perfectly framed podcast with Nate Markham and Todd Barnes. I, we don't do short stops there. We only do relief pitching the drudgery of fantasy baseball no one wants to talk about relievers, so all we do is talk about relievers 365 days a year. We know every single bullpen inside and out. So if you need some knowledge in bullpens, uh, follow our podcast. Give us some likes, subscribe on every single podcast platform. Uh, that's Perfectly Framed and FantasyInFrames.com. And for those that can't see the screen right now, where can they find you on Twitter? And they can find me on Twitter, of course, at Fantasy Triage. Uh, I'm on there way too much for having a two-year-old, a pregnant wife, and... <laughs> an er nurse so. yeah. no, I, I love it because the fans after hearing this episode definitely need to go look at your page and, and bother you with questions because you got the knowledge for all of us here uh you carried the show so i i kind of expected that but uh again make sure you follow him great in the fantasy baseball community friendly guy as you can already tell so make sure you follow him check him out next week We'll be continuing our position previews with the third base position with Corbin Young of Fantrax. So make sure not to miss that. Until then, everybody stay safe, wear a mask, have a wonderful new year. We will catch you in 2021. Nobody blackout. out.